Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Four of Pentacles and King Midas. Today's show will focus on the Five of Pentacles and Exiles. Talk about stories, cars, and pentacles, and all of the above. Myth, tarot, love. Welcome to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new aged wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. We are talking about exile today. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, so last week, kind of a quick recap, we talked about the Four of Pentacles, and the main idea of the Four of Pentacles was greed, mm. and greediness, and avarice, and um, what happens when you are holding on to all of your goods, all of your wealth, and not letting it grow, well, uh you get the five of pentacles. Mm. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the message in in this particular transition, going from the four of pentacles to the five of pentacles. But it should be mentioned that when you get the five of pentacles, it's not always because of greediness. Okay. So that's kind of the idea in tarot. You've got, okay, so you've got this avarice, and, and then uh, in the story of the pentacles, the five is what happens when... You are too greedy, and what happens then is that you actually lose your wealth. So, um, is this common with fives? That yes, okay. fives tend to be a little more uh, disadvantageous, <laughs> okay. if you will. So, if you know, if you notice, we've kind of got this pattern where you've got uh, the ace, which kind of shows you the promises that's available in that suit. You've got twos, which are decisions, dilemmas, or balances like the uh, ideas that balance each other. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got the threes, which are normally highly successful in in their particular suit. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the fours, which starts warning you about <laughs> what happens. And then the five is what happens when you don't listen mm. to the four. Um, so in this particular case, we're looking at pentacles. So we're looking at wealth, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the five of pentacles is... Rep it's kind of like the poverty card, okay, if you will. Uh, although sometimes I also like to call it the divorce card. Um, and that's based off of the Celtic Dragon Tarot deck because in in that deck, um, there's two people, a man and a woman, and they're kind of separating from each other. And it just really screams divorce to me whenever um, that card comes up. But it's not always uh, it's not always divorce of a marriage. It can also be a breakup, right? Or it can also be um, the separation of a partnership, that sort of that sort of thing. Um, although in the Rider Waite Smith deck, uh, it's much more along the lines of just poverty and the loss of wealth. Um, so that can mean a lot of things. It's it's more it's more of a general idea. I'm gonna say so. It could mm -hmm. be the loss of funds. Um, it can be illness. It can be unemployment. Um, or even just solitude. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the symbols that are happening on this card. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, uh, the Five of Pentacles are appearing in a stained glass window. So the stained glass window uh, kind of 
to me, it looks like a uh, kind of like a church window, if you will. Uh, however, outside of this window, you have people who uh, very much look like they are in need. Um, they're kind of wandering around in the snow. It's actually snowing in this in this particular card as well. Um, so you've got a man who is in crutches. It looks like there's a bell around his neck. I don't actually know what the bell is for, but I think it's kind of it like, I think no, it's, no I think it's meant to like let people know that he's coming because he he needs, he needs a little bit more room perhaps. Um, well, because he's on crutches. Too, yeah, right? he's on crutches. He's got a bandage around his head. He just looks like he's in really bad shape. Mm. Um, and then uh, the woman is kind of hunched over and she's. She's got this uh, cloak around her head, and she kind of looks cold and shivering, and she's mostly just looking at towards the ground, right? Like, they are they look like they're really miserable people. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I found one thing. So, apparently, in the Middle Ages, bells were believed to ward off misfortune and conjure up good spirits. So, okay. I wonder if it's almost like the evil eye, like, oh, in that sense. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's kind of... Uh, so, the evil eye, by the way is um, this idea that you can wear, like, you can have something that kind of looks like an eye and it wards off um, bad intentions, mm-hmm. if you will. Evil like spirits. Evil spirits, that or, sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, so you've got similarly a bell, um, which is also meant to ward off some of the evil spirits. So perhaps that's something that is around his neck as a uh, as kind of his um, efforts to help himself. But yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've got you've got your five of pentacles here. Uh, we've described a little bit about what it looks like. So talking about it, um, when I see these people on this particular card, in the, they're in the foreground, and they're kind of just wandering towards the right. They're moving forwards, but they're they're moving very slowly, and they're it's really difficult for them. Like they're just in this really challenging space. They also don't really look like they're well enough dressed for. The cold no, weather they like don't have any shoes on or yeah, yeah like they they oh yes that you're right the woman who is wandering has like one shoe and the other one looks like it's a barefoot yeah in in the snow um so they just don't look prepared for their circumstances um they also probably just don't have enough to be prepared for their circumstances mm-hmm. right however um you've got this stained glass window and what this is representing at is actually uh salvation uh, so generally, churches are open to th- those who are impoverished, especially if it's a cold, uh, a cold night. They could technically be spending that night in the church and in the warmth. And uh, so this this card is representing this idea that there's salvation nearby, but um, for for their own reasons, uh, they're they're not using it, right? Um, so, so they're kind of choosing to stay on the path that they're on, or yeah, like they, there's there's a choice that's being made. So because they they don't just for whatever reason mm-hmm. it is, right? They don't want to make use of their own salvation. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty big message. <laughs> it's a it's a really powerful message, and it can it can show up for a lot of different reasons. Like it can show up for a person who is. Um, trying to look for an answer and this card might show up to say hey there is an answer but you don't want Mm, it yeah right um 
and that's is those are some hard those are some hard truths yeah for or sure maybe it's just that they're not looking around for it like it's right there it's almost like yeah. staring at you but you're just kind of closing yourself off to not be able to see it i was um i was i was talking with a friend about tarot and uh, she said that the cards can be rude. <laughs> and I think yeah. that this card is one of those examples of a card that can be rude. Um, so the card will, will come out and say, hey, you have this, there's this opportunity, um, but you don't like it, even though it would be better than where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to take it because of your own particular reasons. You know, maybe um, there's there's a lot of reasons. And in, in this card, it's not actually emphasizing what your reason might be although there is kind of this hint that it might have been the same reason that got you into it in the first place which might which according to the four of pentacles would be avarice and greed Mm -hmm. not not wanting to let go of what you what you currently have in order to let it grow in order to let it um go come back and benefit you in the long run right Mm -hmm. um and this is this is one of those really difficult lessons of wealth um, is that you can't hold on to it too, uh, too, too strongly, um, and also you can't really worry about it. There's there's definitely a lot of anxiety in this card as well. Like sometimes this card will come up um, to also represent the anxieties and the fear of poverty mm. as well, right? Um, and the problem with that though is that it'll say that if you're worrying about poverty and your fear of poverty, it might actually cause it to happen because you'll be spending your time worrying about it instead of uh, finding ways to not, uh, in order to avoid it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're manifesting it just because you're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, just by thinking about it and focusing on it and uh, not taking the steps that are necessary, not not using your salvation as represented by the, mm. by the stained glass window, mm-hmm. um, you are essentially, you know, just aggravating your problems yeah which is another one of the rude messages (laughs) if you will from of tarot yeah um so yeah there's a lot of stuff that's happening um in this card uh but i would say another one of the reasons like one of the the we say greediness right but really what greediness is is also a focus and over importance of the material world Right. Could all, yeah, it could also be like a, mm-hmm. a fear of lack, a fear of yeah, not it's having. Yeah, a, a fear of lack and wanting, you know, just wanting more and wanting more over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this card is kind of saying, hey, if you focus too much on that um, and you're not paying attention to what's important or what can help you, uh, then you're actually going to be aggravating your situation and causing the poverty to happen mm. and that is really unfortunate it's just yeah. an unfortunate place to be that people's own fears will cause their misfortune um yes so you know there's a lot of ideas of uh of lack here um in particular separation but also of um of loss as well right mm. so uh people who are in the situation that is um, demonstrated by the five of pentacles often f- will experience a loss like a great sense of loss of of in particular whatever they found was wealthy um so their material gains if you will mm-hmm. um so it could also be a loss of status um 
a loss of connection. Uh, sometimes there's a separation involved as well. Like I mentioned, it kind of is in my deck of uh, the Celtic Dragon Tarot. It's kind of like a divorce card. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely the sense of loneliness that uh, comes from that as well. Um, so let's hear some, oh. some stories of uh, people who might have experienced this this great misfortune yes yeah especially how, how you're describing it at the end it is like yeah exile it it, it reminds me of that and i of guess of, of, of these stories of exile, exactly yeah. um so yes yeah, so i'm gonna tell you guys i guess a couple or a few stories about exile from the roman world in particular today um looking at cicero ovid and julia um, there's a fourth one, but I don't think we'll have time to look at it. But we'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll see how it goes. Um, so many stories of exile. I know. <laughs> That's why I thought I'm like, oh, yeah, I can talk about this. <laughs> it happens a lot. And some of them are, I don't know, I think are kind of interesting or funny. Maybe not funny, but we'll say interesting. Um, but what is funny, my one friend, I, I was telling her about, oh, I'm going to talk about exile. And she's like, oh, big mouth equals exile. <laughs> That's what happens. So if you have, yeah, basically if you say something you're not supposed to, mm -hmm. well, there goes all of your financial success. There goes everything. <laughs> yeah, there goes your status. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially in the case of juvenile. But we'll see if, we'll see if we can get there. But um, just thinking about exile in general, I want to give you just some background information first. Um, so in ancient Rome, exile was determined by the Senate who had the power to exile either individuals, families, or even entire regions. Oh. This is especially true in the Republic, and then in the Imperial period, um, the emperors could exile someone on their own. Um, and it was not invented by the Romans. Um, the Greeks also exiled their citizens. However, the stories, again, that we're going to look at today are focused on Roman citizens. Okay. So the word exile comes from the Latin word exilium, which... <laughs> it means exile you or don't say. <laughs> banishment. Um, and oftentimes a person would agree to go into exile instead of having a harsher punishment, such as capital punishment. Mm. Better to... And it almost it's like reminds, better live by yourself than die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it almost, now that I say that, it reminds me of Game of Thrones a little bit. Like, either you die or you go to the Night's Watch. Up to you. Oh, that's a, yeah, that makes sense. So, nice watch in Game of Thrones is kind of like a banishment. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. have to, and it's, it's actually is similar because in Game of Thrones, you have to give up like your family name and status and title and everything. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to do that with certain kinds of exile in Rome as well. Just made that connection. There we go. <laughs> um, where was I? Okay. So we use um, the term exile and banishment kind of interchangeably. Um, however, there is a difference between the two, and it can be broken up um, as either flight or banishment. So for flight, the person voluntarily goes into exile, whereas banishment, they're forcibly removed um, from the state. And there are a couple, I don't know, mm, there are a couple other terms. No, I'm not going to go into them. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know. I find like there are things that I find interesting. I'm like, oh, I talk about it. And then I'm like, you guys aren't going to find this interesting. It's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll start with the stories. Okay. So let's hear a story. All right. So we'll start with good old Cicero. So Cicero, even though he was an excellent orator and even consul at one point, um, which is the highest level of government, he was sent into temporary exile. 
So what was nice about this exile is that he mm-hmm. continued to write. Um, and so we have a good deal of evidence of what happened kind of during this time. And again, he, he did return back. It's nice that he was able to find uh, like a productive use mm-hmm. of his exile. Definitely. I mean, he did get a bit depressed and sad and that we can see through his writings as well. But I mean, not mm-hmm. everyone was as you know, prolific as him. We don't have as, as much writings as we do from him. So it's nice to get that. Was his writing his salvation, you think? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. either his writing or his, his like speech, his words. I don't know. He was really good at, at talking. At his job. Yeah. <laughs> really good at talking. Um, so the reason for his exile was that when he was consul, he urged the decision to execute captured conspirators without a trial. So at the time that this happened, this was fine. Uh, but four years later, a new law was passed whereby anyone who executes a Roman citizen without a trial was threatened into exile. So mm-hmm. Cicero, therefore, he fled voluntarily during the trial in 58 BCE and went into temporary exile. Um, so as such, he was stripped of his property and declared a public enemy. So this was for, he was, so he was doing something that wasn't against the law and then the law changed and he was prosecuted for something he'd already done. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's hard. It is. So he's like, okay, guys, like, I'm going to take off now. Although I do agree that people should have trials, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just it. It's like, oh, he, you know, he, what he did was legal, but if you think about it, oh, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't that didn't make it right. Yeah, yeah. Didn't make it morally right at all. Um, so when he did eventually return to Rome, he tried to be part of the political sphere once again. Um, however, he was eventually put on a prescription list by the triumvirate and sentenced to death. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was apparently, this is where it turns a little bit, he was decapitated. And Mark Anthony, Anthony uh, instructed that his hands were also cut off and all three pieces were nailed on the rostra in the Forum Romanum. But it doesn't end there. Yikes. Ant- <laughs> Antony's wife, Fluvia, also took Cicero's head, pulled out his tongue, and jabbed it repeatedly with her hairpin as a final revenge against Cicero's power of speech. So why was she so, like, adamantly against uh, Cicero? I, I, like, what did she have I'm against him? I think she did, he did say quite mean things about her. Okay. And he, and he, and not just about her, about many, many people. He was, I don't know, how I would call a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was just that kind, of, yeah. And he had, he was very good with it, very, very good with his words, mm-hmm. but he caused a lot of shit because of it. And yeah. Uh, I guess there's, there's an art to saying the, saying things that won't get you killed in ancient Rome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He was definitely in, in a lot of people's bad sides. And that's what that's what actual freedom of speech means, is that you won't get decapitated and have your tongue stabbed. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what 
freedom of speech actually means now. Yeah, exactly. Not that, not then. Not that uh, you're, you know, you won't get in trouble or uh, people won't get mad at mm-hmm. you. You're just not going to die for it. That's all. Yes. Yeah. Which is kind of the, a good lead into the next story. Oh, yay. Yay. <laughs> um, so this one is about Ovid, who was a Latin poet and one of my favorites. Um, he was also banished by the Emperor Augustus this time in 8 CE um, from Rome, and he was sent to Thomas. So whereas Cicero, um, he wasn't sent to a particular place because mm-hmm. he fled, Ovid was banished to um, so he was forcibly Romania. removed. Exactly. Forcibly yeah. removed, had to go there, which is modern-day Constanta in Romania, which I got to go there when I was in Romania. Oh, that's good. So I thought it was neat. Um, so actually, another cool cool fact <laughs> about his banishment is that in December of 2017, so just a few months ago, the city of Rome revoked his exile. <laughs> <laughs> So he's allowed to he's allowed, he's allowed, allowed to come back now. Yeah. Like how many years later? Uh, Thousands of years later. Two thousand and eleven years later, he is allowed back in Rome. Good job. It was a two thousand year banishment. <laughs> I think it's a nice gesture. <laughs> it is a nice gesture. Yes, I think so. And they're like, oh, we like your work. Yeah, <laughs> never go. mind. You're we take to, it back. You're allowed to come back yeah. now. Oh wait, you're dead. That's no. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the reason for his banishment, we aren't entirely certain. However, it's most people think that it's because of his the perceived immorality in his works are as a more, um, oh no, amatoria. There we go. My brain can start working now. Art of love. The art of love. Yes. Nice. So Ovid wrote later wrote that the reason for his exile was Carmen et Er, which is a poem and a mistake. And they think, again, that the poem that he's referring to is Thard of Love. Okay. Um, And there is speculation that there may have been more scandalous reasons for his exile, but they're mostly all speculation at this point. I mean, it'd have to be really, I don't know. I I see it both ways. He like what was wrong with this poem, "The Art of Love"? It sounds nice. It does sound nice, especially it's, with uh, Valentine's very, this week. And <laughs> yes, it's just very descriptive. Oh, <laughs> and sometimes it's it's. Um, so you're saying it's like porn, kind it's like of like a pornographic poem, kind of. But it's also he talks, I think, about um, like having an adulterous affair, which Augustus oh. was very like he's very like moral and by the book and. So if you, yeah, when he's talking about, oh, this person's wife and this person's wife, he's like, no, we gotta. Okay, gotta. so maybe your art of love is a little bit more uh, sleazy. Yeah, it's, than... it's more of like a how-to. <laughs> oh, how to seduce other people's wives? Yeah. Okay, of. yeah, that would get you banished. That'll get you maybe. banished. Maybe. <laughs> that makes more sense. Um, but yeah, but here I like his the other reasons that may have been. Um, for his exile. The first is that he frequented circles that politically opposed the emperor, which would make him want um, to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, Ovid also may have discovered that Augustus had committed incest with either his own daughter or granddaughter. That's another possibility. Or that he engaged in, in adultery with one of those ladies himself. Again, speculation. Probably yeah. not. So all we know is that he was exiled, but we don't exactly know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and once he was exiled, there goes all of your status. 
all of your status, all of your everything. You were no longer a Roman citizen. Um, and that's where, yeah, he stayed until his death. Um, but he did continue to write during his exile. And the poems that he wrote then have been used as a fun, seen as fundamental importance to the study of Roman aristocracy under Augustus and then Tiberius, who was the second emperor. So still pretty, pretty so he important. Was, yeah. So he, he still went down in history as an important uh Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And apparently there's um, wine that comes from Romania called Ovid's Tears. Oh, nice. (laughs) I haven't tried it, but uh, I always like the the name of that. Um, Yeah, so that's Ovid. And finally, we have Julia. I want to talk about um, because then we're not the only ones to be sent into exile. Ladies could be two. Ladies too. So I'm like, okay, I have to mention a lady. So Julia the Elder was Augustus's daughter. Um, she was also sent into exile by her father um, in rather harsh conditions, I would say. Augustus really liked banishing people. He huh? really did. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you're not part of my my ideology, so. You're, you're gone now. Exactly, yes. And you'll see a, a similar theme here, too. Um, so she was confined on the island of Pandateria uh, with no men in sight. Only her mother was with her, and she was forbidden to drink wine. Okay. So the island itself is less than 1.75 square kilometers or 0.86 square miles. I don't so, know what's worse, the banishment or the forbidding to drink wine. <laughs> Well, and she's in this, like, tiny island, mm-hmm. only her mom, yeah. no wine, no nothing. I don't know. It'd be pretty yeah. sucky. Um, yeah. No men. No men. And she actually, she wasn't allowed to have any visitors unless Augustus gave them permission to go. Um, yeah. So a little backstory on Julia uh, was that she was married three times and widowed twice. The first time I think she was um, widowed, she was only 16 years old. And all three marriages were political marriages to benefit her father, Emperor Augustus. And after her second marriage, she didn't want to remarry, but she was forced to marry Tiberius. And so she apparently continued her extramarital affairs. And this was why she was sent into exile. Okay. So she didn't want to marry. She liked her lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But she was forced to marry, and she continued her lifestyle, and... And her father that forced her to marry then banished her because of it. Sucks to be Julia. Yeah. Um, Her daughter, also named Julia, Julia the Younger, Mm -hmm. um, also carried this reputation, and she, too, was then sent into exile. Oh, dear. Yeah. It was not good to be an adulterous woman in ancient Rome. Exile is the better, again, of the two punishments, right? Yeah. yeah. Was Julia the Younger sent with her mom? No, she was sent to a different island. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. Very sad. Um, So Augustus allowed Julia the Elder to return to the mainland after five years, um, but she died from malnutrition sometime after Augustus's death in 14 CE. So not sure if this was due to her time in exile um there's also a story where she was starved to death by i think tiberius not augustus so her husband her husband who then became the emperor after augustus's death okay yeah so crappy life (laughs) for real yeah that seems to be kind of a common thing for 
uh, for the ladies mm-hmm. in, in, in those times. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you get to marry. Good job. Yeah. You get to marry. And then if you don't want to marry, too bad. Too bad. You are going to marry anyways. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of their their lot in life was to, one, run the household, and two, produce heirs. And that's about it. It's a good time to be alive, Biddy. Yes. It's a good time to be alive right now. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Although, um, you know, we can still definitely experience this sense of entrapment even even now. Mm -hmm. Um, Although... It's a, perhaps a little bit less systemic um, and less yes. accepted, at least in in this country. Yeah. So it's a good, good time to be alive here. Definitely. It's um, not that, yeah, there's definitely less exile now. Still some um, deportation. <laughs> that was one of the words I was going to look at. Oh, but, yeah. It's kind of like exile now is deportation. Yeah. Because we're in Canada. Right. But I guess everywhere has that. Though. Everywhere has has deportation as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's yeah, it just has a different name now. Yes. So exile just has a different name. Mm-hmm. Although I kind of like the idea. It's like you're exiled, <laughs> banished from, be gone from my sight. <laughs> Come back in a few years. <laughs> Come back in two thousand years. Oh. <laughs> yes. If you're Ovid. <laughs> if you're Ovid, yes, you yeah. can come back. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Right. So we've talked a, a lot about uh, this idea that um, the Five of Pentacles represents this state of loss, but also that it's like with the tarot, there's always um, a, there's always two sides to every story. And um, in the main message, I would say the most positive message in the tarot is that hey, there is there is a way to get out of your situation, and there is a um, a light, if you will. A, a stained glass window light, mm. um, but you just might not like it. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should not take it. It's just perhaps you need to uh, lose lose the pride or whatever mm. it is that's stopping you from taking those opportunities, uh, which is not fun. It's not a fun place to be, which is often why people tend to choose to stay in that state as well. Um, all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so our uh, that brings us to the end of our our uh, episode. Episode. Yes. episode this week. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, as always. And just a friendly reminder, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, if you'd like to find out more about the show, um, talk about talk to us, we have a Facebook group and an Instagram page. We are at Myth Tarot Love. What do we got going on next week? Next week we're talking about the six of pentacles. Because it comes after the five of yeah. pentacles. <laughs> I well, guess, I guess, yeah, now that we're on the suits, we, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. We're always going to be talking oh, yeah. about uh, the number, the next number mm-hmm. in the series. Um, however, the next number in the series will also talk a little bit more about how to get out of the state of mm-hmm. the five of pentacles. Um more on that next week, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, our parting words for today come from the American Tarot Association. There is always a solution, always a way out, always a church window just around the corner. So either open your eyes and go to it, or close your eyes and let the inner light guide you. Man, 
stories, cars, and pentacles, and all of the above.